Good morning, church. I apologize that I am not with you in person this morning for worship, but let me explain. Uh, I may, over the last few days, I'm not certain, but I may have had what the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, what they define as close contact with someone positive with the COVID virus. Now, I, I know that people in our church have very strong opinions about uh, how this pandemic should be handled. I have some very strong opinions about how we should handle this pandemic, but we made a promise to you. Uh, in the beginning of this crisis, and especially as we came back to church, we made a promise that we would follow the guidelines and we would do everything we could do to provide a safe and a healthy environment. And so this morning, I had a conversation very early between, I think, 3 and 4 o'clock this morning. I had a conversation with our chairman of deacons, and we decided together that out of an abundance of caution, that I would not be present for worship today. I plan to have a COVID test as soon as I can today. I assume that that test will be negative. I will speak with my doctor, and I will do exactly as I'm told. But I have a very busy week of ministry planned, and I do not want to let any of this deter from that plan uh, any more than is necessary for the safeguard and the health of others. So we'll keep you informed. In the meantime, I have a message that's just burning in my heart. I am, I am anxious to share this with you, so if you'll give me a little grace that I'm, I'm doing this by video, I will, I will share this message. Turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 13. Now, I think that there are some things that are out of kilter in churches today. And, and I think this has been a problem for, for many years. We praise the Lord in church. We thank the Lord. We worship the Lord. We exult and we exalt the Lord. We adore, we honor, we glorify, we magnify, we bless the Lord. But one thing we don't do, we don't lament before the Lord. We don't express our sorrow. We don't express our sadness. We don't have those honest times before the Lord and, and say we're disappointed or we're hurting. We don't lament before the Lord. We pride ourselves in always being positive. You know, some of our favorite verses are things like Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or I think about Isaiah 40.31, those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. Or Jeremiah 29 that, that tells us that the Lord desires to prosper us. We sing victory in Jesus. We call ourselves overcomers in Christ. And even when something doesn't go perfectly, we, we quote 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that, that says, when I am weak, I am still strong in, in Christ. And you know, church, all of that is true, but that is not the whole story. When we ask people to give testimonies in church, have you ever noticed that those testimonies always have a happy ending? When we ask someone to give a testimony about prayer, it's always a testimony about how God answers prayer. We would never let somebody give a testimony about how they prayed and prayed and prayed for years and, and God never, never came through for them, that they're still waiting on the Lord. That's just not a testimony we celebrate. When we have someone give a testimony about 
a troubled marriage, it's always a testimony about how God restored a troubled marriage. When we have someone give a testimony about wayward children, it's always a testimony about how God brought them back. But I wonder, does that truly characterize life? Is that what Christian life really looks like? Are we encouraging one another or are we pretending that something is true that is not? Are we leading people closer to the Lord with our always positive attitude? Or are we creating an impossible hurdle for people whose lives are messy by pretending that our lives are not messy? Are we Bible people taking our cues from Scripture? Or are we modeling our life after the advice of Zig Ziglar or uh, Eckhart Tolle or Tony Robbins or Joel Osteen? I want to show you something in the Bible that may surprise you. The Bible is filled with lament. It's filled with people grieving and sorrowing, people weeping before the Lord. And this is not presented in the Bible as some exceptional experience that that, that is uncommon. It's not even presented in the Bible as something that's only connected with uh, confession of sin. It is presented in the Bible, this sorrowing, this lament, as a normal, healthy, honest part of our spiritual lives. Let me show it to you. What is the longest book in the Bible? Do you know the longest book in the Bible? It's the book of Psalms. 150 chapters, by far, longest book of the Bible. Now, the book of Psalms has several different uh, kinds, categories of psalms. Uh, you can take those 150 psalms and you can put them in different categories. I'll give you some examples. There are psalms of thanksgiving. Some of these psalms are primarily about thank you, Lord. I'll give you some examples. Psalm 107.1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Uh, or Psalm 100, verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. There's a whole category of thanksgiving psalms. And then there's a whole category of praise psalms. For instance, Psalm 150, verse 2, praise him for his powerful acts. Praise him for his abundant greatness. And so there's a category of praise psalms. Then there's a category of trust psalms, where the where the psalmist, often David, but not always, where the psalmist expressed his, expresses his trust in the Lord. For instance, Psalm 56, which says, when I, am afraid, when I am afraid, I will trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? I trust the Lord. And so there are all these different categories of, of psalms. Well, do you know what the largest category is? What, what category has the largest number of psalms? It's the category of lament. It's the psalms where the, where, where the person who's praying, David or somebody else, is just crying out and grieving before the Lord, maybe even complaining before the Lord. That represents the largest group of psalms in the book of Psalms. In fact, if you take all the psalms of thanksgiving and you add to that all the psalms of praise and you add to that all the psalms of trust, that is still fewer psalms and fewer verses than the psalms 
than the Psalms of Lament. And this isn't just something you see in the book of Psalms. Uh, the book of Lamentations is a book of lament. You, you get it? Lamentations, lament. It's, it's, the whole book is lament. Jeremiah's lament. Uh, and then Jeremiah, the, the book that uh, holds his name, uh, much of that book is lament. Habakkuk, Job. The Old Testament is, is filled with, with lament. Now, let me read to you some of... Uh, some of these verses. Uh, I want you to see what I'm talking about. And, and honestly, this will bother you a little bit. It, it should bother you. It bothers me. Uh, but, but I want you to see what, what we mean when we say a psalm of lament. Uh, for instance, Psalm 44, listen to this, beginning in verse 9. Here's what David says. He's praying to the Lord. Here's what he says. But you, Lord, have rejected and humiliated us. You do not march out with our armies. You make us retreat from the foe, and those who hate us have taken plunder for themselves. You hand us over to be beaten like sheep and scatter us among the nations. That's, that's David complaining before the Lord. That psalm goes on, verse 18, Our hearts have not turned back, our steps have not strayed from your path, but you, Lord, have crushed us in a haunt of jackals and have covered us with deepest darkness. That's a, that's a prayer, right? Uh, listen to this, Psalm 39. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for help. Do not be silent at my tears, for I am here as, as an alien, a temporary resident, like all my ancestors. Turn your angry gaze from me so that I may be cheered up before I, before I die and I'm, and I'm gone. Uh, Psalm 74, 1. Why have you rejected us forever, God? Why does your anger burn against the sheep of your pasture? And then in verse 9 he says, There are no signs for us to see. There is no longer a prophet, and none of us knows how long this will last. God, how long will the enemy mock? Will the foe insult your name forever? Why do you hold back your hand, stretch out your right hand, and destroy them? Those are hard psalms. Those are complaints. That is laments. And the Old Testament is, is filled with that. But you might, you may be thinking that the New Testament is not like that, right? Because in the New Testament, people know the truth. In the New Testament, people know Christ. In the New Testament, people have hope of heaven, eternal life, forgiveness. But even in the New Testament, you find lament. Uh, I, I think probably the best example in the New Testament is the example of Christ. Uh, Christ often lamented. He grieved. Uh, and, and, he, and he expressed this to the Father. Let me give you some, some verses to look to. John chapter 11, verse 35, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Now, what is that verse about? Well, Jesus, one of his friends, Lazarus, has died. And so Jesus is approaching the home of Lazarus, and he meets uh, Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha, who are also friends of Jesus. And they're crying. They're brokenhearted because their brother has died. And so what does Jesus do? Does Jesus say, no, listen, all things work together for the good. Trust me. Does he say, well, well listen, Mary and Martha, there's no, there's no reason to grieve because eternal life is wonderful. Does he tell them, hey, I'm about to resurrect your brother in about 15 minutes. Just, just chill. No, he doesn't do any of that. They're grieving. What does Jesus do? He just grieves with them. He laments. 
because that's a proper and healthy thing to do, just to, just to grieve over our loss and, and, our, and our hardships. If you look to Luke chapter 19, verse 41, uh, Jesus uh, approaches the city of Jerusalem and he's brokenhearted over the lostness of the city. And the Bible says he just weeps. He, he doesn't say, uh, you know, God's going to work out everything. He, he, he doesn't say uh, all those who trust in the Lord will be saved and the rest of them deserve what they get. No, he, he just weeps over their lostness. He laments. Um, I, I have a lot of examples. Matthew 26, 37, Jesus, when he's going into the Garden of Gethsemane, he turns to three of his disciples, and the Bible says that he is sorrowful and he is troubled to the point of death. He is lamenting. Uh, and, and then probably one of the best examples is Matthew 27, 46. Jesus is on the cross. And one of the things that Jesus says on the cross, he doesn't say very much, but one of the things he says is this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, why did Jesus say that? Well, we know theologically, and that's a whole nother sermon, that's connected with 2 Corinthians 5.21, and Jesus is bearing the weight of our sin, paying the penalty for our sin. I mean, we, we know what it means theologically, but why did Jesus choose those words? Well, he is quoting Psalm 22.1, one of the Psalms of Lament. And scholars, many scholars believe, and there's some additional evidence for this, that when Jesus was on the cross, that he was praying, he was reciting and praying some of the Psalms of Lament from the Old Testament, some of these Psalms that he had memorized. And when his heart was just overwhelmed with grief, he cried out using the words that David had used uh, many years ago, expressing his lament to the Lord, even in the New Testament, we find lament. In, in fact, Revelation 21, the next to the last chapter in the last book of the Bible, there we find the end of lament. Verse 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more. What he says is, that's when lament will end. Between now and then, we'll lament, we'll grieve, we'll be brokenhearted over sin, over loss, over how difficult it is to live in a broken world, we will lament. So what does this mean? Well, it means that there should be times that, that we just pour out our hearts to God. We express our sorrow, we are honest with the Lord, and, and, and we lament. I, I did, a, did an internet search this week um, I, I thought perhaps this would illustrate the, uh, our reluctance to lament. And so I did a, a, a search on, on this phrase, most popular verses in the Bible. And I did it on Bing.com, so if somebody wants to go and do this same service, this same search, they can. The number one website that popped up, the first website, was one called womenlivingwell.org. It's a website I wasn't familiar with before. It's, uh, uh, its author, its owner is, uh, is a Christian woman, a, a, a teacher of, of, Bible, of the Bible for women. And, and I, don't, I don't really know anything about her other than what I read on the website, but uh, seem, seems to be somebody who's, uh, you know, who, who, who is a, who's a popular Bible teacher. And so she had a list of what she said were the 10 most popular, most well-loved Bible verses for for Christians today. She said she'd, she'd done some research to, 
to come up with this list. I don't know exactly what kind of research, but I thought the list was interesting. And, and I'll share with you just a few of the verses on the list. It started with John 3.16, that uh, God so loved the world that, that all of us who trust him, that put our faith in him, can have everlasting life. A great verse. That'd be on the top of my list too. So that was her first one. And then I don't know if the rest of these I have listed here are in the same order that she had. Uh, probably they are. But let me just run down through a few of them. Uh, Matthew 6.33, a uh, verse that says that God will provide everything you need. Jeremiah 29.11, a verse that says God will prosper you. Romans 8.28, a verse that says all things will work together for the good. Isaiah 40.31, that we will have the strength of eagles. Philippians 4.13, that you can do all things in Christ. Proverbs 3.5 and 6, that says that, that God will make your path straight and smooth. Now, isn't it interesting, nine out of the 10 verses that she cited there uh, were verses that talk about how wonderful life is. And the one that was an exception didn't, didn't lament, it just was about a whole different subject. And so, so all the favorite verses, at least according to this, uh, to this Bible teacher, all the favorite verses are verses about how wonderful uh, it is to live a, to live a Christian life. Now, I read a little deeper into her website, and I'm not sharing anything that's not public, that's not right there on her website, but she shares, and I'm not gonna give you her name because I'm not being critical of her, and I'm gonna show you why in a moment. But she says that about the same time, if you compare the dates, about the same time that she published this list of happy verses, her husband left, and she had two, uh, two young children, and she says, these are her words, that she and the children were devastated. And, and I'm sure they were. But doesn't it seem odd that in the midst of her desperation, she puts on this happy face and she says, you know, God, God just makes everything wonderful, makes our path smooth. I can do all things through Christ. Everything works together for the good. God answers all of my prayers. Now, I... I'm, I'm sure that this, that this woman did grieve and lament, and, 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 and I imagine she's a very godly woman and knows, knows the Word of God, and, and there were times privately that she, that she lamented, I'm sure, just exactly as the Scripture teaches. But, but why couldn't she put that on the website? Why did she present herself as Miss Happy Pants as, uh, as she gives this, uh, this list of verses when on another page she, she talks about the grief and the devastation uh, that was going on at the same time. Now, here's why I think that's important. I think that's a picture of how so many of us live. We're, we're, we're hurting sometimes on the inside. We've had loss. I've sat down with many of you, and you know, if, if you've lost a child or had someone close to you commit suicide or a marriage has failed, and, 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 we're, and, and I know you're just grieved, and I'm grieved, but, but we, we step out of, the, out of the counseling room and we just act like everything is, is wonderful. We are too fake. Now, here's why I'm not critical of, of her, of this woman. I think I'm guilty of, of exactly the same thing. I looked this week. I have preached 1,803 
formal sermons. And not counting Bible studies or youth talks or revivals or, or, or something like that, but 1,803, in fact, this is 1,804 that I'm preaching right now, official sermons, three points in a poem kind of sermon. And of those 1,800 sermons, only 19 were on the Psalms of Lament. Uh, and honestly, uh, if you took out the the sermons I preached on Psalm 51, which is the confession of David after the sin with Bathsheba, uh, then the number is even more embarrassing than that. In my ministry, I've hardly ever preached on lament. And, and it's not just sermons. Uh, if, if over 50% of the verses in the book of Psalms, which is God's songbook, if over half of those verses are verses of lament, how many of the songs in our Baptist hymnal, do you think, are songs of lament? 13%, 13%. And those are the 13% that nobody wants to sing. And, and the numbers aren't really any better with contemporary praise and worship. Uh, we, just, we just like to pretend to be positive all the time, and we miss uh, what the Bible encourages, I think, to be honest and lament when our hearts are broken. So this raises some questions, and I want to go through these pretty quickly, and then we'll get quickly to the meat of the message. Raises three questions. First of all, why should we lament? Pastor, why, why should we cry out and grieve before the Lord? Well, I have several reasons. I, I only have time to give you a couple, maybe. But first of all, lament directs our grief to the only one who can do anything about it. If you complain to the people around you, they can't, they can't mend your heart. They can't change the circumstance, but God can. So lament is, is talking to the one person uh, who, can, who can do something about it. Uh, another reason why we should lament. Lament, sorrowing, grieving before the Lord, uh, it, it, it facilitates our bold expression of faith. I think one of the reasons why we're not honest before the Lord is because we don't want to imply that we don't trust the Lord. But when we lament, we're not implying a lack of trust. We are expressing our trust. When you read in the book of Psalms about David complaining before the Lord, he doesn't complain to God because he doesn't trust God. He complains to God because he does trust him. And he knows that God is sovereign and holds all things in his hand. And so lament is a way of expressing trust. Uh, lament is also, it is a way to move from sorrow to joy. When you read these psalms of lament in the, in the book of Psalms, most of them, not all of them, but most of them, they start off with grief, but they end with joy. And, and when we learn to lament like David lamented, we, we can learn with the Lord. And I'm going to show you how to do that in a moment. We're going to learn with the Lord how to go from grief uh, to joy. Well, the next question, what about the good news verses in the Bible? Pastor, the Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in everything. So how are you telling us, why are you telling us that we need to grieve, that we need to lament when our hearts are broken, when the Bible clearly says we need to, we need to be thankful people? Well, the truth is, this is not an either or. Uh, you can do both. You, you, can, you can cry out to God and grieve over the difficulties you're going through, but still be thankful that God is sovereign and that He is reliable and that He hears you. 
If you look at Jesus, he lamented, but he trusted the Lord. You look at David's laments, he complained, but but he honored the Lord at the same time. So it's not an either or. It's not quit being thankful and lament. No, be thankful and, pardon me, be honest with the Lord. So then the last question, and here's where I want to spend a little bit of time. How do we do this? How can we express our hearts, express our grief, and lament before the Lord? This is important that we that we know this. And, and so let me share. Psalm 13, six verses. It is one of the Psalms of lament. It's the most simple Psalm of lament. And so it's a good one for us to focus on today. I think we'll learn some important lessons. So let's, let's read it. I hope your Bible is open. Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? These are the words of David. He says, how long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? And then verse 3, consider me and answer, Lord my God, restore brightness to my eyes, otherwise I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have triumphed over him, and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. And then verse 5, there's a turn here, verse 5. But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. So, so that's a psalm of lament. You see sort of the pattern? There's the complaint, and then you get to the end and most of the psalms of lament, and there's the, there's the joy, the peace that, that comes. So, so let me talk to you about how to lament and, and how we learn this from, from Psalm 13. Number one, speak honest words to the Lord. Just be honest with the Lord. Look at David's three complaints. Back, back up in verse one. He says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? David is, is, is saying, I feel forgotten. I feel neglected. Have you ever felt like God has forgotten you? Have you ever felt like your prayers just bounce off the ceiling? Have you ever felt that God neglected? You wondered if God really cared? David felt that way, and he said it. And then look at, look at verse, verse 2. Uh, David here is, is crushed with mental and emotional burdens. He says, how long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? You ever felt that way? You ever felt that your depression or your anxiety, uh, that, that just the agony of life is just, just weighing down on you? You ever lost hope? Well, David did, and he, and he expressed that to the Lord. And then the last part of verse 2, he says, How long will my enemies dominate me? Have you ever felt like... Um, you know, your enemies seem more blessed than, than you are. Have you ever felt like maybe, maybe if you see your enemy as some sin that you've struggled with for years, God, why haven't you given me victory over this sin? And you've just been frustrated. David was frustrated with his enemies, and he expressed that uh, to, to the Lord. David didn't pretend like his life was trouble-free. He didn't just look inward. He didn't lash out to other people. David spoke honestly to the Lord. He was respectful, 
Uh, but he laid out his questions and he came boldly before the throne of grace. And that's what we're told to do in the New Testament. Hebrews, what is it? Hebrews 4.16, let us come boldly before the throne. Tell God what's on your heart. Tell God about your broken heart. In fact, Jesus is teaching on prayer in Luke chapter 18, and he gives a very interesting illustration, a parable. Uh, he, he talks about a, a woman who needed justice. She had been mistreated and she needed justice. And, and so she goes to the judge and the judge just ignores her. So she goes back and back and back. And finally, in this parable, Jesus says, the judge says, I, I, I'm not going to give her justice because I care about her, but just because she is driving me nuts, I'm going to give her justice. Now, how is that a picture of prayer? Well, Jesus isn't implying that God is an unjust judge, but he's saying if, uh, if an unjust judge will honor a persistent, honest uh, uh, prayer, someone who's seeking justice, how much more will God honor someone who is persistent and someone, someone who is honest? God can handle the conversation. God can handle the questions. God can handle the complaints. We just need to be honest before the, before the Lord. Uh, several years ago, um, I, um, one of my daughters, and I won't tell you which one, but, but one of my daughters was experiencing some, some pain. She said that something hurt, and it hurt very badly, and it, and it went on for, for some period of time. And uh, we, we didn't know what it was. We didn't know uh, how, to, how to help her. Uh, but it, it, we knew it was difficult. We knew it was hard for her. So I took her to see a specialist. Uh, now, it wasn't easy. First of all, uh, we had the Affordable Care Act insurance in that day, and so our doctor naturally was out of network. It cost a lot of money. It was very hard to get an appointment. I had to beg and plead to get past the gatekeepers and finally get an appointment with this specialist. I had to take off from work. I had to drive out of town. Uh, we waited for a long time in the waiting room. It seemed like forever. Uh, but we finally got back there to see the doctor. And the doctor looked at my daughter and said, how do you feel? And my daughter smiled and said, I'm fine. And then the doctor said, uh, well, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here and it says that you're just in terrible pain. Is that true? And my daughter said, well, it's not too bad. I was furious. You know, when you go see a doctor, that's not the time to be fake happy, right? That, that's not, to, not the time to be fake healthy. You go to a doctor, you need to tell him. You need to tell her exactly what hurts. You need to, you need to just be honest. And when we go to the Lord, that's not the time to be fake ha happy. That's not the time uh, to, to have fake joy. We need to be honest before the Lord. That's hard to do sometimes because we so, we, so, uh, we revere the Lord. We don't want to be disrespectful, and we shouldn't be disrespectful. But because of those things, sometimes it's hard to be honest, but the Lord wants us to be. And we see that example, that, uh, uh, that uh, really that outline here in so many of these Psalms. So, so I'll just give you some numbers. Psalm 13, of course, that's the one we're looking at today. Psalm 51 is a lament psalm about confession of sin. Psalm 55 is another good lament psalm. Use these psalms. If you don't know, if you struggle to be honest before the Lord and just pour out your heart, start with these words. That's what Jesus did on the cross, prayed Psalm 22. Pray these psalms before the Lord. Let them give you a vocabulary for prayer, but let's be honest before the Lord. Number two, number two, declare your utter dependence upon the Lord. 
So, so David, uh, he, he's, he's going through a difficult time, but after complaining, he declares, Lord, I still trust you. I still trust you. Now, I want you to see that here in verses 3 and 4. He says in verse 3, consider me. Consider me. That's, that's where it begins. What he's saying there is, is, Lord, don't forget me. Don't forget me. Consider me. Remember me. Because you're my only hope. Look at, um, look at the rest of verse 3. Restore brightness to my eyes, otherwise I will sleep in death. He says, open my eyes. Show me the path. Give me wisdom. I don't understand this. But, but Father, the answer is with you. And so you brighten my eyes. And then look at verse 4. My enemy will say I have triumphed over him, and, and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. He says, Lord, protect me. My, my foes, my enemies, they will destroy me. I am helpless and hopeless apart from you being my shield, being my fortress. And so first we need to be honest with the Lord. But then secondly, we need to express our, our trust in the Lord. I, I wonder if any of you have ever done a trust fall you know what that is? That's, that's when you stand straight and stiff and you fall backwards and people catch you. You ever, ever done that or seen somebody do that? Usually people will stand on a table or something. I, I did this a bunch of years ago in a, in a worship service. I was, uh, I, was, I was leading a church and we were about to build a sanctuary and I was encouraging the church to give generously and trust the Lord so that we could build this sanctuary without going into a great deal of debt. And I was illustrating a verse, I don't remember what passage I was preaching on, but I actually climbed up on a ladder and I, and I fell off the ladder backwards in, into the arms of some people that, that caught me. One of the scariest things I've ever done. But, but here's the trick to that. It, you've got you've to just trust that those people will catch you. You've got to stay perfectly stiff. If, if you don't trust them and you ball up to protect yourself, you're going to hit the ground. But if you'll stay stiff, then it you know, distributes your weight and they can catch you no problem. With the Lord, we need to completely trust him. That's what David says here. God, I have some complaints. Life is hard. I don't understand. But I do trust you. I trust you with my enemies. I trust you with my direction. I trust that you hear me. I think of some other psalms of trust. Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of our Lord, of the Lord our God. Some people trust in chariots and horses, and some people trust in money and, 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 and technology, but Lord, I trust in you. Now, there's a third thing. After we're honest and after we trust, the third thing I want you to see here is that we will rest in the hope of the Lord's ultimate deliverance. Ultimately, the Lord will deliver his children, and we can rest in that. Now, look at verses 5 and 6 again. He says, But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. Now, you've got to notice that there's a big transition here between verse 4 and 5. So, verses 1, 2, 3, 4, life is terrible. David is grieving. He's uh, confused and upset. Verse 5, he's trusting the Lord. Now, now what caused the change? Well, this, this prayer, Psalm 13, you can pray it in 45 seconds. I, I timed it this week. 
45 seconds. But really this prayer represents a much longer period of time, not just 45 seconds, but maybe 45 days or 45 weeks. This, is, this represents a whole season in David's life when he, is, when he is going through hardship and he is being honest with the Lord and he's trusting in the Lord and eventually God turns his grief into joy. And if we will be honest with the Lord and trust in the Lord and continue, maybe it'll be a whole season of having to, to do this. Eventually, God will turn our grief into joy. Now, I think it's interesting that David never says here that the circumstances changed. They may have changed, but, but David doesn't say that. If you look back in verse 5, he says, but I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will uh, rejoice in your deliverance. Future tense. I will rejoice in your deliverance when it happens. And then verse 6, I will sing to the Lord. Uh, not that uh, you've already shown your generosity, but when you do, I will sing to the Lord. You see, sometimes God will change our circumstances, and, and we'll be thankful for that. But sometimes God won't change our circumstances, but he'll change our heart. And, and what happened, I believe, here with, with David is he was just so honest before the Lord he prayed until God changed his heart. In fact, you, you could see a parallel. The end of verse 4, when he's complaining, he says, And my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. My enemies, they're going to rejoice because I'm been, I've been defeated. But then look at the end of verse 5. But my heart will rejoice in your deliverance. You know, the enemy may get joy because they are oppressing me because my life is hard and, and it's difficult. But I, my joy comes because I know your deliverance is near. We need to be honest with the Lord. We need to trust him even, even when we don't see how things are going to work out. And then we need to wait for God. We need to be persistent in this and wait for God to turn our grief into joy. We need to be people who don't just pretend everything is great and wonderful. You know, you ask somebody in the hallway at church or, or anywhere, uh, how are you doing? What do they say? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. But the truth is sometimes we're not doing great. Sometimes we're just, we're just crushed on the inside. We need to quit pretending something is true that is not we need to be honest with the Lord. And maybe we need to use the Psalms of Lament to give us some vocabulary for that. Help us to be honest. Be honest with the Lord and trust Him. We should keep praying, honest praying, until God changes the circumstances or God changes our hearts. Let's be people honest with the Lord. I, I know that the first step uh, to having a right relationship with God is trusting Him for the forgiveness of sins. And, and some people need perhaps to do that today. You need to trust that God, through what Jesus did on the cross, has provided a way for your sins to be forgiven. You need to trust that that's enough, that that's sufficient. You can't fix you, but God fixes you through Jesus. And you need to surrender to Him, turn from your sin, and trust Him and, and, and His counsel and His provision. That's number one. That's where it has to begin. If you've never done that, there will be people here at the front when we stand to sing in a moment. You can just step forward and speak with one of them, and they will help you put your trust once and for all in Christ. But you know, many of us, we've done that. Yet now, when we go through hard times, uh, we just deal with it ourselves. We just bury it. We, we, we're not honest about it. 
But see, God doesn't just love us uh, to get us uh, into the kingdom. He, he doesn't just love us to get us saved. He, he, he continues to love us, and he wants us to continue to trust in him. Would you make a commitment today that when your heart is broken, be honest. When you're grieving, be honest. Tell the Lord how you feel and continue to tell him, trusting him, until God changes the circumstances or God changes your heart. Let me pray. Father, thank you that we can be honest with you, that we don't have to pretend that you can handle the complaints, the questions, the grief. We thank you that you're trustworthy even when our lives are hard. And we thank you that the ultimate deliverance, our ultimate deliverance is promised by you and that you are generous in your promises. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. In both services, let's stand.